Ronderings universe, what's going on? It's uh, your maestro on the mic, Ron Rapitalo, and got my guest, Yamile Toussaint, who is the founding executive director of STEM from Dance. What's so exciting about this episode with Yamile was just hearing her story of being a polymath, someone who's just good at a lot of different things and how that synergy, that space to explore those things allowed her to build and dream of the nonprofit that she's founded for the last decade and the impact it's had for girls, particularly girls of color in New York City. Y'all be excited to hear Yamile's story and what she's built. And thank you to my folks and the Leverage Publishing Group for uh, sponsoring this podcast. And we're looking to ghostwrite and publish first-time authors. Check us out, leveragepublishinggroup.com. Peace. Ron the Rings Universe fam, we have today our guest, Yamile Toussaint. She is the founder and executive director from Stem From Dance, and we run in similar circles aside from being New Yorkers. So Yamile, welcome to the Ron Things podcast. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. So happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you too. And so I want to let the audience know this is a little bit of a different foray because Yamile, you and I have talked twice which includes this. <laughs> so let me zoom out for the audience, right? And I think I took this leap of faith mostly because of what I've read of your brilliance and what mm -hmm. I've heard of your brilliance, right? Is starting to have guests on this podcast that are not just friends and family of Ron, quote unquote. You're the first, admittedly, someone that I'm getting to know mm -hmm. that I would say, like, we will be friends, I'm sure. <laughs> we will definitely be co-conspirators at some level. But um. Thank you for taking that leap of faith with me, Yamile. Yes, I'm excited for where this conversation goes. <laughs> I'm excited too. So to start off, yeah. tell us your story. I will start with myself as a young girl. I was just into a lot of different things. I was very passionate about the violin the violin for many years. I danced a lot. I was in the dance studio maybe six days a week. I mm. really liked math. I was in things like the math club. <laughs> I know. Did you laugh? So was I. <laughs> And, and, and then in middle school, yeah, no. I was in the math club, but Stuyvesant's math club was a different, that was like going to like the all pro leagues. I was like, y'all intimidating me. I was like, I can't hang with you. So I retired math club in high school. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I was just, I just, I was, I was in all the extracurricular activities, right? Mm. Track and, and all these things. Yeah. But it was really dance and math that really captured my heart, so to speak. And as I was getting older, I was trying to figure out, okay, should I become a dancer? Should I sort of follow in the footsteps of my father and my older brother to become an engineer because of my love of math? And mm. felt this, almost this tension about which, which direction I should go in. And I decided to go the engineering route and went to MIT, studied mechanical engineering. And Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. Like, wow, MIT mechanical engineering. It was... Very, very, very hard. 
<laughs> it was, yeah. It was very rigorous. And, mm. but it was just fascinating to see all these things that I was learning and the way that my mind was starting to think differently because of the rigor and the engineering sort of like knowledge and skill set. And at the same time, I, I couldn't help but notice how few Black women there were in my classes, mm. or just even in my class. Yes. I found out there were just mm. 20 of us in, in a class of about 1,000 or so. Wow. And it, that just really stuck with me in my time there, just thinking, I, I didn't realize how much my experience as a young girl loving math and feeling like I could be an engineer was an exception. And I just thought about, like, if I made it, how is that so? Why don't others? I just had a lot of curiosities about that. That's what led me to become a teacher after leaving MIT, wow. became a, okay. a ninth grade algebra teacher through Teach for America. Look at that, TFA in the family. See, <laughs> I worked at TFA, did not do the mm. core, um, but I married into the family. My wife's in a lot. All right. So. Yeah, and that was just a formative experience, largely because I got to understand why there are so few at a place like MIT. And what I kept hearing from my students were things like, I'm not a math person. I don't do math. And math was just this, this subject, almost like this test to take so that they can move on with the things that they really want to do. And I just, you know, wanted to think about ways to change that. Yeah. Um, so I started to think again about my journey and, and what helped me. And I started to realize the role that dance played in my journey because this whole time mm. I've been dancing yeah. and dance has always mm. been this space that I felt connected to and felt expressive, felt encouraged yeah. to be creative, just felt powerful. And, and it's like I needed that to endure through the rigor of this education. And just, you know, just the feeling of being one of a few in the room. So, um, so I was like, okay, I feel like there's something to this connection. So I started mm. to play around with this idea of using dance to change the perceptions that girls of color specifically have in STEM. And as I started to explore this, I started to learn all these things, these, these statistics, like only 5% of the STEM workforce is women of color. I was shocked when I learned that. And it's like, I only knew that afterward. I don't know what would have happened if I knew that when I was, you know, this like yeah. high schooler trying to decide what, what to do. So all those things really compelled me to want to turn this like hunch into an organization. Uh, so over a decade ago, I found it STEM from dance, um, really with this vision to transform the experience that girls have in STEM using dance yeah. and it has been quite the journey to go from this idea to like the opposition in the, the early days to trying to you know create a team raise money get the resources mm -hmm. and now to the point where you know we've been able to you know make a ton of progress and really think about how we scale what has been mm. effective so i'll pause there in my yeah. in my journey. I have so many questions. I'm going to go back to the emotional part of me when you talked about how you feel when you dance. Mm. What have you learned from dance, the feeling? 
And then tie the feeling. So I'm going to make a point here. I'm going to tie this towards one of the things. I always go back to this parent professional development session I went to at my daughter's Montessori school pre-COVID. And I was a neuroscience major. So when I learned neuroscience in the 90s, it was very centered on cognition is centered inside of your brain, Mm -hmm. right? To think, therefore, I am, right? The research has moved a lot towards the idea of cognition related to movement more. Mm. And so related to the Montessori education model, there's a lot of movement in Montessori classrooms. I know this because both my daughters go there. There's some, I don't want to say it's for all kids. I would never, nothing's for all kids, but I have to say it works really well when done right. Mm. I, I just watch it. I'm like, wait a second. Most of the, a lot of the brilliant people I know who've been educated through Montessori are the most curious, inquisitive people I know in life. They just have, their brains are wired differently. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're different. It's, I, I would say a lot of it is the Montessorian approach. And so when I think about dance, movement, related to cognition, quote unquote, left-sided brain, I'm just, what have you found in dance? How does it describe for me? How does that make you feel? How has that impacted what you do in life and particularly with STEM from dance? Well, I love this question because the feeling that I have when I dance was really the driver for me starting the organization. I think there are, there's something special about dance's ability to make you think greater of yourself. Mm. When I think about being a young girl and like in those early years when I'm just sort of figuring out my strengths and what I can do. It was just really powerful to be taught some kind of movement and then, you know, struggling with it. And then, Mm. you know, coming back the next Mm. week and like struggling with it again. And then coming back the next week and I look a little better. And then the next Mm. week I'm doing it and I'm soaring and, and I'm realizing that I can learn things. Like I can do hard things and getting that lesson over and over and over again for years you know, it just, it just built something within me, like that confidence, the grit, the determination, just like mm. the joy of, of doing that alongside other people who also, you know, are having that similar experience. Yeah. I just always have felt like my, my most powerful when I was dancing. And, um, mm. and it's, and it's only what I can see now. Like I didn't realize in the moment that that's what I was getting from it. I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, And so I do think that as I've focused on using it as a way to learn, um, as a way to impact learning in STEM, that now I can see the connection with how we think um, and how dance can, can support that. Like even the ways mm. that, um, especially in choreography, there's a, you have to sort of think spatially, you have to envision something before it's real, before it's real. And that's similar to what you do when you create a new product or a new design. The science engineering made when you when you said that, if you would remove dance terminology, mm-hmm. like I was like, you're sounding like what an, all my engineering friends do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and dancers don't may not know that that discipline and that mindset that they're getting translates to these other fields. So that's what has been exciting to almost like codify and like almost like make more intentional, not just it be organic. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the nerdy question, right? Because I think this is the stuff that I'm sure fascinates you and I as, you know, creative geniuses, dare I say, right? Is 
what's unique about how STEM from dance ties together the creativity of dance with the creativity of STEM? Because they're both creative things. They just speak different languages. People, I think, wrongly assume like STEM is very technical. I'm like, no, the most brilliant STEM people I know are creative geniuses and vice versa. The most creative dancers that I've ever met, and I, I can't help but bring it to this space, how can you not love Ailey? Mm-hmm. It's revelations. Mm-hmm. My God, you want to talk about like modern American art that needs to be lauded over and over again? I probably watched Ailey like seven times. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't, if you live in, you know what I'm saying? Like, and watching Revel, it gets me like how that was pitched and how it was created. My God, that is creative genius. And the technicalities, you know, as a dancer to pull those things off. There's a technical aspect and understanding of anatomy, physiology, and all these things, and shapes and lines, geometry. You don't just choreograph just because you, I'm thinking dream. It's like there's a technical aspect that is you very well know. So how does that show up in the curriculum and the design of STEM from dance? Like, what does that look like? Yes. You know, I'd say when I would first tell people about this idea of bringing STEM and dance together, Mm -hmm. people would often suggest ideas like, Oh, you could have the girls like dance like they're a DNA helix and, you know, like our dance like they're an amoeba and things like that. And I'm like, what? I, that is so, yeah, don't even get, because then I start to go, would you have done that for your kids yeah, in your neighborhood? Yeah, I'm like, I cannot. I can't, I'm trying to curse on these episodes, but all the different like acronyms in my head for cursing are like coming out. I'm like, really? Yeah, I, I just knew it, it It doesn't work if it doesn't feel relevant to, you know, to our young people. And so what was important for me is that the dance that we did looked like the mm. dance that they are familiar with, right? Um, because we want the familiarity to 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 bring, like, comfort and, um, yes. you know, to be welcoming and just to foster that sense of belonging. That's just one thing that has been important as I was building mm. the idea. And mm. like an aha okay. moment for me was when I started to think about the performance space and how there's all these integrations between dance and technology. So um, there's the opportunity to use lights, whether it be like on a costume, on your shoes, on the stage. Mm. And, you know, you can create these like circuits you can program them mm. there's a project on stage that can be programmed and that you know there's there's like something exciting about putting on a performance and we can help them put on the performance with technology and make it even more interesting and and as i started to envision that and and, and see that resonate with the girls who yeah. were serving i knew that we were onto something if you think about it, right, you know, you and I sound like we've had the privilege of, well, you in particular being a part of performances and then watching performances, right? And all the stage work and technology it takes to put together that work is right with STEM lessons left and right. How do you figure out the light? How do you figure out this? How does sound look like? It made me think one of the best artistic performances I've seen in all my years of seeing things, particularly in New York City, I have to bring Savion Glover mm-hmm. into this conversation. You know, come on. You don't know, now you know. Google Google him if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Living genius. Mm-hmm. And he did a performance. This is after Noise Funk, 
where he used his tap with a DJ. The the joy and the like, what? That went through my head, him scratching and playing and the back and forth. I was like, this is only someone like Savion would have done that. Oh, I, I just, and he's, in our, he's around our age. That's the whole thing. I'm like, how I'm sure there are people you're like, how are you so brilliant? How does that get? It's just like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It's bananas. And even like the, the excitement and the joy of watching a masterpiece like that, like that's, yeah. that's what STEM needs. People don't, mm. the average person does not get excited about seeing equations being solved or something like that, right? But yet that's yeah. how we present, you know, STEM to our young people. Right. And so mm. I, think, I just think it's so beautiful for like within that excitement and creativity that dance allows for that we could also say, OK, and this is what a function is and this is how you can use that in your code. And and it just makes the presentation and the portability mm. of the content is so much more palatable. I'm curious, Yamile, is there a I don't want to say success story because all of your students are success stories, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's a success, right? Is there a story that particularly resonates with you about a student you've impacted through STEM from Dance that goes, <laughs> you're a TFA alum. This is like the, the I teach <laughs> moment. I don't want to lie. But you know what I'm saying? Like that, this is why I STEM from Dance moment as the founder of ET. Yes, yes. I mean, as you ask that one student comes to mind yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's like so much of her story that resonates with me in some parts that, that don't. Uh-huh. She came to us because of her love for dance. Like she, mm. just like I described, she was the girl that was always at the dance studio yeah. and sees herself as a dancer. And she was just open enough to the STEM side of things and her mom signed her up, uh, you know, for our summer program. <laughs> And, and she came and she just started to be more open to what STEM had to offer. And then she came back the second summer and she came back the third summer. Um, and wow. like over that course of time, like I, like she and I crossed paths and, um, you know, sort of took her under my wing because I saw that interest in STEM started to grow and, you know, started to help her to um, like navigate different opportunities. Like she, she got into this pre-college program at, M- program at MIT. She Dumb. got a scholarship from Google. Um, so I just started mm. to see her take these steps um, and, t- and really grow this interest in STEM. And now mm. she's a soft, she's in her fall semester of her sophomore year at Georgia Tech studying computer engineering. Whew. Yeah, and, and I'm convinced. I'm convinced that she will have an impact on the world. There are ideas, there's insight that she has, there's a perspective that she will bring to whatever space she's in um, because, you know, she has this creative perspective. She's artistic and she's also technical and and there's things that she will offer that other people can't. So um, I just love to think about the impact that she's going to have in the future. Yeah, that's so amazing to hear because it sounds like when you think about where you and I have come from and what you built at STEM from Dance, right? It comes down to access and opportunity and and community, right? Because you need those components, right? Where we already have 
the ability to do amazing things? Are we given the space to do it, to explore? Are we given the opportunities to do that across the spectrum of whatever it is, no matter what income range that you're in? I'm speaking ideal world, not the world that we really live in, right, per se. And then you have that community, people like you, her cohort of students, her mom. Like one of the things as I take this question, I'm going to go a little bit back to your story, right? Because when I hear about all the things you were involved in and the space you were given, I'm going to bring your family to the space. How do they support a young Yamale through all of this? Because I think I read about you in an article that I saw, but I'm not surprised by it, that you're a polymath, a multipotentiate, right? You it's called my, my Brooklyn line. You're good at a lot of things. You're good at a lot of things. So how do they support that? Because I think at times, like our 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 immigrant parents, that's sometimes a struggle. They're like, why don't you just do engineering? What's wrong with you? Like, you need a steady job. Like dancers, like there are the folks who serve us when we go out to restaurants. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of stereo like what you know, folks in the creative arts do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In terms of like they only do this, that you can't get to whatever success is defined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I applaud my parents for. They mm-hmm allowed me to do the like the activities that I that I loved and I think about all the times my mom had to pick me up from school at 3 p.m. now I'm like now that I know like what it's like to be an adult and have a job the fact that she like made her schedule so that she could pick me up to take me to dance school Stay in the mm. car for a few hours. Then, the sacrifices our parents make. Right, right. right. And for something, mm. it's not like she knew that I was going to use dance in my future, that I was going to make this organization. She just leaned into the things that she saw me enjoy. Uh, my father, too. And I think, you know, to my father's credit, you know, I have an older brother, and he made sure that, like, if he got my brother a truck, he got me a truck, too. Right. There there wasn't this like I always believed that I could be an engineer despite the reality of yes of yeah. the you know of what I now know. I always I never questioned that I could be an engineer. It's like it's what my father did. I could do it too and and I and I think that is what is not the norm. There is this narrative that boys do better in math, boys are able to do better in math, right? And and I'm glad I wasn't exposed to that kind of thinking. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think my, I, I definitely give a lot of credit to to my parents yeah. for what they didn't know that they were doing in, in, in me. When you're doing things from a place of joy and love, I often find you find the right words and actions. Mm. Like my parents didn't know. I, even I, something that I've read on is that my parents were master networkers. I didn't know what the word networking meant. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. Now at age 10, I said I wanted to be an entrepreneur because the word sounded fancy to me. It's like, that's what big people do, right? And yet when I rewind back to 10-year-old Ron 38 years later and think about my parents, they hustled. Mm -hmm. My dad had three or four other side hustles on top of being a CPA. My mom, before she came a CNA, sold everything. Shackley Vitamins, Kamea Couture Bras, Laser Disc Karaoke, you name it, my mom was hustling. And so their ability to build relationships and trust was so paramount into how I saw what success and joy looked like because my mom and dad enjoyed being in front of people. And where we grew up in East Flatbush and South Ozone Park, and you know those neighborhoods, 
you can't not not meet a lot of different people. Mm. You know, and so growing up in that midst made me understand how much trust is the currency we've always had. And when that trust and love and joy is something that is within our family unit, despite what may be around us, and this is a real oversimplification, but despite what's around us, I would say we've succeeded despite what the system has told us we're designed to do mm. or we're supposed to do, right? That's the big, like that for me is like a consistent message. I'm like, what do we do to change those dynamics? Because I've always believed, because I've seen it. No one can tell me otherwise. Everyone wants their families and themselves to experience certain things. Joy, having comfort, having the money to pay for things, basic, not even basic necessities, but to have time off to see things. Like, but when I'm not gonna go to a history lesson in terms of this country and, and inequity and structural racism and all those things, and yet our systems are just not designed for those things, particularly for folks who look like you and I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so therefore we form these things despite what the system tells us because we believe in the possibility that things can and should be better for our young people. It's so true. It's And you know what I think a lot about is the, um, the power of examples. Mm. You know, like what I hear in your story is like you had an example of yeah what it looks like to, to to grow a network something i think about you know something else from an example my father in particular said was he founded a nonprofit in the midst of him having this you know his nine to five job as an engineer legacy and lineage i'm not surprised to hear that <laughs> it's like filing a nonprofit. yo dad did that I got it. I'm good. And it's and it's like I didn't even make that connection at the moment. Like, oh, he just did that, so I can do that too. Like, implicitly, mm-hmm. I got to see this lifestyle that you yeah. know, you know, that made a career out of engineering, and he found a lot of yeah. joy in that work. But then also, he was able to do work that was impactful for yeah for him, and that you didn't have to choose between the two. And those are like the mm. seeds that were planted that like when it came time to choose my path, it's like that was already like brewing in, in, inside of me. So um, when I look back, it's like, of course, I founded a nonprofit that combines dance and STEM for young girls. But uh, it took some time to sort of figure out that that was like the purpose that I wanted to follow. Yeah. When you mentioned, thank you for sharing that your dad founded a nonprofit, because the question that's been swirling in my mind, surprise, surprise, is that you are a black woman who's founded a nonprofit. I think I can count on my hands, unfortunately, the amount of black women that have founded nonprofits, right? The the percentage tends to be low, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that your father had found a nonprofit. So I'm going, this is like broad question, but you can start where your dad would like, what are some of the lessons about founding a nonprofit as a black woman you'd want to share with this audience? Starting from like your dad's experience, what you learned to over time to today. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For my father, I saw the challenge of bringing about change through people. You know, he, he brought together a group of his friends, right, to work together to essentially they they host events and take the proceeds from the events and send them to orphanages in Haiti. Like that's their their model. Ah. 
And so okay. he has to work with this group of his friends to like plan the event and like get people to sell tickets. And I just like would hear his just like frustration, like, oh, this person is supposed to sell this many tickets, but they only sell this many. And, and just, you know, just what it takes to like lead a team essentially and to, like mm-hmm. produce outcomes and just the challenge of, of doing that. So um, yeah. I got to see what like that aspect of, of leadership, mm. you know, I'd say in the early days of founding the organization, what was especially challenging was, you know, I, I was bringing this very non-traditional idea to the world and yeah, I would often, it would often be met with a lot of skepticism and, yeah. you know, comments like, Oh, it seems like dance is just like a gimmick. And what I learned was that I needed to be clear on my own why and my purpose, Mm. which doesn't mean that like, it turns out that it could not have worked, but I knew that my inkling about its potential was strong enough that I should pursue it despite the feedback that I was getting. Like I wasn't going to let that stop me from just seeing it and seeing for myself whether it would work or not. And I feel like in the mm. journey of starting a nonprofit, there's just so many opportunities to be discouraged, to give up. Yeah. And I'm glad, I think, that I had that anchor of knowing that there's power in using dance, there's a need for more women in STEM, yes. and something different needs to take place. And that I believe I was positioned to to bring this particular solution to the world. Yeah. I needed that anchor because you know if you look at our growth trajectory, it's like the like an exponential curve. But that like <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, "What is this? Uh, e to the X? What's going on?" <laughs> you know, that <laughs> bottom part of the curve, that, that flat part. Mm-hmm. That, was, this is... like, that flat part was a good six seven years of yep. of my life where mm-hmm. um you know it, it was just faced with a lot of challenges so i needed that resolve to be able to endure to be able to see like the uptick that we're experiencing now yeah were there any similarities between that exponential curve and your um learning curve of dance was mm-hmm. was that something you were because there's some like i have two left feet when it comes to like coordinated dance it's embarrassing Zumba class, Ron, you would think I was hard, but like freestyle, let it go, Ron. Oh, is it real? Like, yo, <laughs> my wife doesn't believe this story, but I remember in my single and ready to mingle clubbing days, I would go out and folks like, yo, you dance really well. You're a dancer. <laughs> I would laugh because I'm like, are you high? You know, for me, I was just having joy and having fun. And one of the things I've learned is that when you practice, you have a good time. There's things that come out and this may be more intuitive for you than it was for me. One of the things I, I realized, I didn't always dance with the beat, which has pros mm-hmm. and cons, depending on what you're dancing to clearly, mm-hmm. right? And so I wasn't trying to syncopate all the time, to be clear. I was just dancing off beat. I remember my first girlfriend told me in college, do you realize you don't ever dance with the beat, the music? And I was like, wait, what? I was so offended, but then it became my mathematical brain said, Ron, just catch the beat, catch the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Your body can move to the rhythm once you establish it. It's how I learned to dance outside. You find clave. When you find clave, you can dance on beat, whether it's one or two. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I'm curious, like, journey, dance, yeah. 
to Dan's journey as the nonprofit has grown under your leadership? Any similarities, dissimilarities? Yeah, they were dissimilar in that, you know, as a dancer, I was always kind of a strong dancer. Okay. I was always getting opportunities to like do a solo or be in the front. Uh, (laughs) Wife. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're good. Let's let you lean. Or my daughter. So she always ends up at the front of a dance troupe. Yes, that that was me. And so (laughs) when I was, you know, facing the, the opposition of founding the organization, it was a test of my confidence because, you know, I'm used to, to doing things great. And it wasn't, I thought it would take off immediately. You know, we would be all over, we would be national within like a few years. I would be able to work full time, very, you know, close to launch. And that just wasn't the case. You know, in hindsight, now I know about like what you were referring to about how few people of color, women of color who are founders, even just how um, how much more difficult it is to get to get funded. Something else I learned recently was that mm. out of all philanthropic giving, only 2% go to organizations that support women and girls. Ooh, it's Jesus. For foundation giving, it's 0.02% that fund women of girls of color. That's embarrassing. Yep. I had okay. no clue that I was up against that. I just thought that my idea was just so, you know, not traditional. Like, is it me? Like, am I not leading? Am I not making the right choices? Uh, you know, I was just questioning and grappling with all these things. And the way when I was a dancer, I, I didn't. I just always, you know, felt great. So that was yeah. that was difficult. And because I didn't feel great doing the founding of the organization, I, I questioned whether like, that's where like that constant questioning came in. Mm. Um, mm. But now it's just really helpful to know that there were there was just like other barriers like race and gender that I wasn't even aware of. So, um, and, and still, you know, experience to this day. Um, I'm curious, Yamile, you know, one of the things, um, if I talk about myself for a little bit again, is I wrote a book called Leverage the People Love and Care About You Personally, Professionally Building a Circle of Champions. Who's in your circle of champions? This is not just for you as a leader, but in life. Like who are the people like you lean on your personal sage, mm-hmm. your no-nonsense nurturer, your empathetic teacher, who are the people like who got your back when you need advice, connections, or opportunities? Mm-hmm. We had three people come to mind. One is the person who I shared, the first person I shared the idea of Step From Dance with um, okay. was my friend from MIT. She also was a dancer, also mm. a black woman. And okay. so as soon as I shared it, she got it. And so she was, you know, that empathetic voice throughout the journey because she knew also that there was something there. Um, Mm. I also think about, you know, now that I'm in a place where I'm growing the organization, what has been instrumental is having people who have gone before me. So I have a a coach who has founded an organization before, you know, she's raised the money, she's led the teams, and now she can, you know, sort of, tell me what to look out for and, and that yeah. really a great asset, somebody who's done it before. Yes. And then third, probably the person I, I talk to the most is my father. I, um, I <laughs> constantly go to him for just like a sounding board for advice. And, and even though like the things that I'm doing with, you know, stem from dance is 
way beyond, you know, the, the nonprofit that he started. He still gets it and he could respond. Like he has that intuition on things that I just mm. continue to rely on to this day. That cultural wisdom of our family, our parents is, um, it's an amazing thing to be a part of, mm -hmm. right? It's something, both of my parents have passed some time back and I still feel their wisdom. Like for me, there's this deep spiritual wisdom that admittedly I've talked about here and there on this podcast, but a lot of people personally know that about me. It's just like, you can feel that cultural wisdom and then that ancestral wisdom, because that I would say, when I think about the history of what I know of Haitians and Filipinos and a lot of island people, the stories sound very similar. Mm -hmm. There's something in our ancestral DNA and history that says, we are people that are deeply spiritual and understand nature of the earth and understand our bodies. Mm. Some of that we are literally reclaiming. I would say the work that you're doing, Yamile, is reclaiming that and bringing that back for our people. Mm. So thank you for doing that. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate that. This may not be the last question, but I feel this is the appropriate time to ask the rondering question, Yamile. So what is your rondering for our audience, the story lesson value that you wanted to share today. In light of doing or leading the organization for, for over a decade now, I, I continue to believe that that anchor is important. That anchor of like why, like purpose, just intent and calling, like that is what keeps me excited about the work that I'm doing. So my rondering mm. is to know your anchor i think it is what can sustain you know ourselves through the tossing of the of the storms that come and i know for me that even though there have been changes i'm still anchored in in my purpose and that's what keeps me going so Yamile, what would you say is in your future? That's a broad question that could be related to STEM from dance. It could be something that you've been thinking about doing that you're comfortable sharing with the audience or that they're in a dream like in 15 years. I'll tell you, my wife and I want to retire in Costa Rica. We want to have a spot in the tropical rainforest where you can hear the monkeys at night, have fresh pineapple and fresh fish, do yoga on the beach, mm. just be. That's my dream. I love that. <laughs> I, love, I might feel that. Um, okay. I think right now I'm just, I'm very immersed in this vision of seeing mm -hmm. this work that I've created be scaled up. So I am really passionate about seeing this spark in STEM happen through dance in communities all over the world. Mm. Um, something I've you know I've had the opportunity to, to do some programs in other places in the world, and it this is not no. unique to New York. It's not unique nope. to the U.S. It is a global issue, and if it takes dance to unlock that potential in girls all over the world, I want to make that possible. And you know, it's like. Who else is positioned to set that vision and, and, and head in that direction but myself? So I, I do want to see that become a reality. Yeah. And the words of Queen Bay, who run the world? Girl. Who run the world? 
<laughs> okay, it's not video, so don't see me like doing my shimmying of shoulders here. Well, Yamale, before I let you go, I want to give you the space. What do you want to promote? Your org, say the website, say the things and projects or events or things you want our audience to know about. I'll make sure we also get that so I can share that in the episode notes and when we you know, publicize your brilliance. Yes, yes. Well, our website is stemfromdance.org. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great content on our, our website, like our blog and such. We're on most of the, the networks. Um, I'm especially active on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there. Um, and yeah, we'd love for folks to, to follow the work that we're doing. Awesome. Yamile, thank you for making the space to chat with me. Thank you for being a friend. Oh my God, I just quoted the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Doom, 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 doom. I never get leery. This is so embarrassing. My wife, so when you said, you know, around STEM from dance getting global, I then immediately went to my hip hop brain. I'm like, hip hop's origins in New York City and the the South, the South, South Bronx, right? And how it's become this incredible global cultural phenomenon. There's not a spot in the world that doesn't have hip hop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't think of a single one, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think you are onto something with what you've sparked here in New York City. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, you know, there's a documentary being done about you. There's like this globe, like let's tie together like the countries that this is happening, your profile, you're on a panel. And so I like to name these things that's existence because very much the power of our people is to intend what we manifest, Yamale. When we do that, because you intended what you manifested several times, and so did your parents. Mm. It is in our cultural ancestral DNA. Mm. When we do that, oh my God. That's amazing. Appreciate that. Awesome. Rotherings universe. We up and out. Um, we'll see you on the internets. And Yamale, thank you again for being a guest on Rotherings. Thank you for having me. All right. Yamile, your words on Know Your Anchor really stuck with me because I think of an anchor to a boat, how it makes sure the boat knows where it is and it has the space to stay stationary, to know its roots, to know that it can stay still. But I think often in leadership and in the work that we do that we don't slow down, we don't take the time to know what holds us down and particularly when you talked about it Yamale the people and the experiences that have held you down just deeply appreciative that you shared your wisdom with us today once again folks Yamale is going to be on a future documentary talking about her work you heard it first here at Rondering so check y'all out in the Ronderings universe and internets peace